The scripture reading for today comes from Colossians 1, starting in verse 3. Colossians 1, verse 3. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing. It also does among you since the, days, uh, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The church is the group of God's people, and if we're going to be a group that pleases God, then we better have a really clear vision of how that needs to work. It was Yogi Berra, everybody loves a good Yogi Berra quote, it was Yogi Berra who gave us the brilliant line, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. It makes me wonder, makes me wonder about him, if he would have liked the little hobby that has developed in recent years called orienteering. Orienteering is a group of sports where you develop and use navigational skills, primarily just using a map and a compass. It was originally a training exercise for uh, military personnel, and now a lot of people just do this sort of thing more as a hobby. You hear it called wayfinding, and it has a lot of similarities with geocaching, if you've ever heard of those two ideas. But basically, the way it works is uh, you're given a topographical map that shows you just the ups and downs of the land and a compass, and you're told to find several checkpoints along the way in a certain amount of time. And so you may have to navigate steep ravines or go over rivers or run through thickets. You have to figure out just with your skills with that one map and a compass how to get to all these different points. To me, it sounds kind of cool. I think to a lot of people, it sounds like a nightmare. I don't know. You pick which camp you're in there. But I I, kind of bring it up and I kind of use that as a little bit of a starting point this morning because the new year starts tomorrow. And I think in view of a new year, we would do well to ask ourselves as a church, what does God, what kind of church does God want us to be? What are those checkpoints, those waypoints along the path that we can use our map and our compass to find to know that we are on a path toward being a church that pleases God. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. That's where I want us to start is how do we set that up and what are we actually aiming for? That's what I want us to do today and we'll do a little bit of that next Sunday morning as well. What I want to set out is a biblical vision for where this congregation needs to be heading. Not mainly because of any human leaders that we might have, but because of the leadership of God. Because these are the things that He wants from His church. And so this morning we're going to give you four waypoints on His map. Four places that we can kind of use to orient ourselves to be on his path toward greatness. And we begin with undoubtedly the most important one. That the church, any church that pleases God, must first and foremost be all about Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, if you have your Bible, would be a good place for us to start with this thought this morning. Ethan just read for us a few verses there. I want to scan down in the chapter and begin in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 1. This is not even poetry, it's just a letter, but the description of Christ is so grand that it feels poetic here. In verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and He has transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. There is nothing that matters more to the identity of the church than the identity of Jesus Christ. And this passage is pretty clear about that. This passage reminds us that we are His kingdom. And the king is obviously the most important single entity in a kingdom. It reminds us that we are in Him. And the implication is that we are in Him alone. That we have redemption of our sins only there. It reminds us that He is the creator. He is the supreme mind. The supreme mind that built... And that governs all existence. And because of that, Jesus is preeminent in, this text says, in everything. And especially, He is preeminent in the church. And so we must constantly remember this. So as I was studying for this message, I was kind of putting this thought together. I began to wonder, I'm just curious, how closely connected Jesus and the church, those two concepts really are in the New Testament. And I just kind of wondered, you know, I wonder if I did a concordant search on the word church and just looked in all the contexts, how many of them would have Jesus right there in the same sentence? And I can't say, I didn't run the numbers, so I don't know exactly what percentage this is, but this is the quick version of the list that I was able to come up with. These passages are where the church and Christ are that close together, just in concept, in wording, in preaching. And and again, it's not an exhaustive list. I'm sure that I missed something, but you see the point, don't you? How much of the New Testament is there to tell us that the church is entirely of Christ, that we... Uh, That we're under the leadership of Christ. That we're living the life of Christ. That we're saved by the grace of Christ. And what we're hoping for, what we're longing for is the return of Christ. This is who we are. And I know I've told you this story before, but I come back to it again and again and again as I'm thinking about the lunch conversation that I had with a rabbi who was telling me he had worked as a hospital chaplain in an office with a Muslim chaplain and a Christian chaplain. And he said, we didn't, we didn't work in that office for very long together before we realized we had all of the basic stuff in common between our three religions. And I didn't have the presence of mind to say it to him then, but I so wish that I had to say that, friend, that just can't be true. It can't be true. Because the basics of Christianity is Christ. And you don't believe in Him. You deny His very existence. You deny His identity. It can't happen. If Christianity has the basics in common with, with religions like Islam and Judaism, then Christianity is not Christianity. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. He lived, He died, He was buried, and He rose according to the Scriptures from Moses to Malachi. He is the Christ, the only Savior of the world. And that is what makes a church. 
brothers and sisters, if the church is going to be oriented toward any of its God-intended purposes, then this point is our true north. This one thing is what gives us that never-moving orientation anchor for all of our travels over land and sea. I know, I know that even at our best, the church as we build her, as we put it together, it may only look like a child's rendering of the masterpiece that God has already painted. I get that. But let's at least make sure that we keep this one fact at the forefront and then we will at least be heading in the right direction. Even if it's never as good as it could be, we'll at least be on the right path. Now, I have to tell you that this point right here is why so much of our preaching, so much of the preaching that is done from this pulpit, so much of what's taught in our Bible classes and in devotions and at meetups and over dinner out when we're just talking, that's why so much of what this congregation talks about is about Jesus Christ. That's why we do the Lord's Supper every week, because it is about Jesus Christ. It's why, about a year and a half back, and this is just kind of a funny conversation that I had, somebody came to me and they said, you know, the only thing that you've preached about recently is Jesus. You might want to like broaden your horizons a little. <laughs> and while I, I, I admit I made a few slight adjustments in how I was preaching at the time, but basically what I told him was, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to change that. Because everything that we preach only matters if we preach Jesus. And so you want a vision for the church as God wants it to function? You want a true north compass point to drive this? To drive this whole idea of the church? Then nothing is more important than people knowing and loving and believing Jesus. Which leads us then to our second orienteering point for this morning which is that we must be people who believe. We must be people of faith. One of our sisters in this congregation said to me several months ago, she said, we need to be people who believe in God and we need to be people who believe God. And she is exactly right about that. As a result of believing him then, here are a handful of firm truths that we must believe. Number one, we must believe God's promises, and we do believe God's promises. We believe that when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church, that he meant that, and that our faith will not be defeated. We believe that when he promised the one who believes and is baptized will be saved, that he will be saved. And we believe that when God said, though we are afflicted in every way, we are not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies, we believe that he will give us that life of Jesus. And so we believe in his promises. Number two, we believe that God's way works. We believe that his way for doing church is effective as it always has been that his plan for evangelism will still change hearts, and that his plan for righteous living is not a cultural, antiquated, you know, niche kind of thing. It's not. It is right. Period. And so what God has given us, the kind of life that he has given us to live, is right in every century, in every country. And we believe that. And we believe that part of that means that sticking with his simple plan for the church 
will always be enough. We believe that because we believe, thirdly here, that God is with us. We believe that God is with us to comfort us when we're brokenhearted. We believe that he hears our prayers and that he listens to our praise. We believe that God watches over us, that he protects us, and that he gives us what he knows is best in our lives. Now, sometimes we understand that that comes with growing pains, right? You remember that when you were a kid, right? Wake up in the middle of the night and your leg is just aching because the tendons and the bones are all growing at different rates. They're stretching, pulling on each other, all this, right? You remember that? You know, sometimes churches go through that too. Sometimes when we're growing as the Lord intends us to grow, we're going to struggle sometimes. We're going to, even in doing things right, we're going to struggle with each other and with others in the community, with all kinds of things. But when we have faith, when we are people of faith and we believe these promises of God and that his way works and that he is with us, we'll be able to see that that pain is actually leading us somewhere good. That those struggles are not a sign that we're devoid of spirituality, but that those struggles are a sign of growth and that we can persevere and God will continue to give the growth he has promised. And all of this because we continue, or rather all of this is why we continue to do things his way. It's not because we're too lazy to think of a better way than God's. It's because there is no better way than God's. That's it. And so we, like Samuel, David, Elijah, and Abraham, and Philip, and Paul, we tenaciously cling to the belief, the faith, that God will bless us with salvation and success just as he did for them. Now, how are we going to learn about that? How are we going to learn what that faith looks like? And I think the answer seems pretty obvious. I hope it does. But it bears mentioning as our third compass point for this morning, which is a church that pleases God will have a love for his word. I got to tell you honestly, and, and, and just kind of forthright here, that I'm really excited about the gains that I have seen in this church over the past year as since so many of us have been reading our Bibles together every day. Have you noticed? It's, it's made some positive changes around here. Um, I, I suggested that effort to our elders, I don't know, however long ago it was, and they bought in 100% right away. And, and the reason they bought in was just because it, it's, such an obvious, it's such an obvious tool. Why would we not be reading the revelation that God has given us of himself? How could that not help us. Uh, there's a preacher friend of mine who started doing that several years ago with his congregation. They have done a, a Bible reading plan and made a very active part of their congregational life for several years. And he said, after just the first two rounds, the first two years of doing that, he said, you've never seen, you've never seen more spiritually minded people. You've never been part of more insightful Bible classes. You've never seen more people serving their neighbors or heard more people doing evangelism. And all of it Because people have grown to love God more because they have grown to love him through his word. And I think I've seen that in the past year in this congregation. I I think I've seen the the roots of that begin to grow deeper and, and begin to sprout and begin to bear fruit in our lives. And I think all of that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, the word of God is a powerful thing. The word of God is a powerful thing. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, to joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
there is no creature hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of, to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This book, little as it may be, simplistic as it may seem at times, this little book is a powerful book. And that's what we want. We want to be a church who are people of the book, who love this word from God. We want to be people who know the Bible more thoroughly all the time because we love the God who has poured himself into it more deeply all the time. We want our kids hearing the truth taught in Bible classes and sermons. And most of all, we want our kids hearing the word of God taught by their parents at home because it's important. We want grandmas and grandpas teaching kids that the Bible is something to love and to appreciate and enjoy. We want the Bible featured prominently in our services. We want to read it publicly as so many of the great assemblies of God's people have done. They have read the Bible out loud. We want opportunities and volunteers to teach the Bible in the communities. That's what the, the meetups are all about. And we want to keep that going. And we want to be a church of people who love the Bible and who realize its power on a corporate level, on a church level, but also and especially on an individual level. That the Bible is not just a great book for people who love books. It's a great book for people who want to live a good life. That's what this book is about. And we want to be a church who loves this book. During the week of September 11, that September 11, 2001, the airspace over the United States was closed to practically all air traffic. And so there were a handful of planes that were coming in from uh, Europe that were coming to the United States that all got grounded at a small Canadian airport in the town of Gander. Some of you saw the, the Broadway musical uh, that has uh, recently been written about this. Um, and the passengers on those planes uh, had to be housed in school gyms and church facilities and all sorts of just makeshift temporary housing. And one of the stories from all of that tells about a family from Africa, a father and his family, who were put on a bus. They were driven to a remote building in the middle of the night. They were told to gather all of their belongings and step off the bus and follow a man in uniform. Ooh, that sounds scary, doesn't it? Right? And it should, and it was for them as well. Now, I mean, it turns out the building that they were being walked into was uh, a school, and they were being given a place to sleep and plenty of food to eat. It was going to be great for them. But they didn't know that, and they couldn't speak any English to learn that. And so their hosts really couldn't convince them to get off the bus and that this was going to be okay and that they could come in and everything was going to be fine. And so finally, the bus driver noticed that the father was holding a Bible. And he said, I figured that it wasn't going to be in my language, but I kind of thought maybe the chapter and verse markings would be the same. So I grabbed his Bible and I opened it to Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. And he said, suddenly we were speaking the same language. We want to be a church who loves the word of God because we see the power that it has to bless lives with the comfort and peace and life that is in Jesus Christ. And of course, that means, and this is our fourth compass point for this morning, loving the Bible means obeying 
the Bible and living by it. I think it's important that we realize the Bible is far more than just rules, and I think that little story from Canada illustrates that. The Bible is far more than just rules, but I think it is important that we acknowledge that when the Bible gives us life rules, we follow them. Both Testaments just come right out and tell us, you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. That's Leviticus 22.31. And Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's one of those points that I almost hesitate to even preach it because what do you say that's insightful or that adds any depth to that? The point is in both passages for the church, brothers and sisters, we just got to do what God says. We just got to obey the rules. Now, sometimes we're going to see those rules as very clear commands. And Jesus said, if you love him, then you will keep those. And sometimes we're going to see examples of how God wants us to do things. People are always telling other people in the New Testament, follow my example. It's a good thing. And sometimes we may necessarily make some inferences about the best way to implement ideas that we got from the commands and the examples. The reality is that God didn't, just didn't give us detailed instructions for every eventuality in our lives. But at the end of the day, all of those, all three of those, come down to us being willing to just obey the life that God outlines in the wonder that is your Bible. There's a very simple plan for salvation there that we will continue to teach as His church in hopes that many will obey it. There is a life-changing and world-shaping plan for Christian living there in that book that we will continue to teach in faith that many will obey it. And there's a church-shaping plan here in this book that we will continue to cling to in the very best way we can understand it, knowing that it will work because of Him and because we are willing to obey it. If we're going to get correctly oriented toward being a church like God designed it, then these four points must be the orientation points for us. These must be the waypoints getting us to where God is pleased with us. So the question is, are we willing to obey? Now, I fully realize, completely realize that these four points, these four compass points might not be the most practical things in the world. I, I understand that there are many who might want to hear uh, to hear more about how many elders we want to have in the future or what new, new programs we want to build up, use to build up relationships or how the budget of this congregation is going to be used. And all of that has its proper place and I don't want to disparage any of that. I understand we want to talk about the, the, the practical stuff like that a lot of the time. But let me just say that all of that stuff hangs on our commitment to attain to these compass points. All of that practical stuff hangs on our commitment to the spiritual realities that really make us who we are as a church. And so these are the commitments to, that we need to make. This is the covenant that we agree to with God. That these are the things that will define all of our actions toward Him and toward each other. Again, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. <laughs> these four compass points then... Give us a great foundation to be thinking about where we're going as a church in 2018. Where are we going? I said as we were starting off, 
That to me, the first compass point is the most important one in all of this, that we are all about Jesus Christ. And our being all about him is crucial for the group, for all of us working together, but it's equally crucial for each of God's people individually. And so if you're not saved in Christ, then the primary compass point for your life needs to be that before it is anything else. Everything else will fall in line downstream from that, but you start with seeking Christ. And so this morning, if you want to talk to me or to one of the shepherds about what that means and the steps you need to take to to do that, then we would love to talk to you about that. Why don't you let us know by coming forward while we stand and sing this hymn together.